Welcome to this episode of the Club and Country Podcast. Wes Bowling, Tim Sullivan, we love talking soccer with you in this forum. What we love more than that is this community, the soccer community, the Nashville community. Uh, and uh, today, of course, we wish that we were only talking soccer. We wish that we could break down a loss that was uh, disappointing for Nashville SC last weekend, discuss an upcoming match and be lighthearted and have our usual levity and sarcasm and all those things. But of course we can't, Uh, we can't do that today. We will get to some soccer in this show, but uh, it is Tim only, um, only right that we, and the only option to, 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 to discuss the tragedy that happened Monday in Nashville and to give our thoughts um, of support and action. Yeah, it's um Wes, I'm getting I'm getting pretty fucking tired of coming on a soccer podcast and having to say, I wish I could send my kids to school without them uh without having to worry that they are going to get murdered at school. And it's um yeah, it's not it's not great. I don't love it. It's uh it shouldn't happen. Um I, I wanna read the statement that Nashville SC put out yesterday to to bring a little bit of relevance here. Um, says we are devastated by today's horrific school shooting and the thought that these innocent children and staff will, won't be coming home. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all of the victims, their families and the community of covenant school in this difficult moment, Nashville soccer club, uh, actually says Nashville SC, not Nashville soccer club in the name of accuracy there. But, um, I I appreciate uh, that everyone seems so willing to give their thoughts and prayers uh, all the time. It's such a it's such a lovely, meaningful thing to do. But um, I think we've learned that it's not enough. Um, and I think, quite frankly, I I, I know the club is not going to be happy. That that's bullshit. That is a bullshit statement. Um, National Soccer Club is partially owned by a sitting U.S. Senator, Bill Haggerty, or I guess I can use the most sarcastic air quotes possible when I say that it's owned by his kids. Um, And Bill Haggerty wakes up every single morning in Washington, D.C., knowing what needs to be done to slow down gun violence in in this country and to all but stop it in schools. And he goes to bed each night knowing that he specifically chose, not, not it kind of happened that way, that his day didn't work out that way. He specifically chose to not make this happen. Um, You can, you can Google.com how many, uh, or whatever our whatever our sponsored search engine of choice is, uh, how many how many mass shootings there have been in Australia and the United Kingdom since 1996? Uh, those countries have had mass shootings, they have had school shootings, and they immediately took action. And they have happened once once in the United Kingdom since, and once in Australia since. We've had more than that this month in the United States. Um, my home state of Michigan uh, had a a mass shooting at a university. Uh, you know, just about a month ago, a month ago, a month and a couple of days ago. Um, it's, it's something that doesn't happen anywhere else. And, um, you know, the complicity of our politicians is, is annoying and, and we are not a political podcast, but I would encourage our listeners to think about who is telling you that, uh, that having a gun is more important than my kids not getting murdered in school. Mm. And think about why they are telling you that. And that's as, that's as political as I'm going to get. Uh, we don't we don't need our kids to go to school worrying about getting murdered. Um, it's just it just shouldn't happen. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, 
we we've unfortunately had to talk about on this podcast before and and uh, <laughs> status quo is we will have to talk about it again yeah. and we will have to talk about uh the ownership of Nashville Soccer Club and that and that includes uh John Ingram who's uh, again, sarcastic air quotes, sale of part of his club to Bill Haggerty's children, uh, air quotes again, uh, is is complicit in this as well. And I, I don't think John Ingram has has a a uh, a gun violence take. I think he he votes with his tax uh, <laughs> preferences only and uh, his his desire for those to be very low. But uh, nothing has changed uh, when there have been school shootings in Michigan, when there have been school shootings in Uvalde, Texas, when there have been school shootings in Denver just last week. Um, I don't think anything's going to change when it happens four miles uh, from from John Ingram and Bill Haggerty's neighborhood around the corner from each other or or three and a half miles from Nashville SC's training facility. I've driven by Covenant School dozens of times going going to Nashville SC training. Dax McCarty said he drives by it every single time. Uh, if I were him, I would avoid Green Hills traffic by taking a different route. But uh, hey, that's his that's his, that's that's his prerogative. But it's something that uh, uh, if I were him, I would I would avoid it now because it's going to scare him about what could happen to his kids in a school in Nashville. It's it's yeah, I don't know. I this is kind of an aimless rant, but it's it's endlessly frustrating because we know solutions, and instead we say thoughts and thoughts and prayers. And whatever we do, no action. And I, it, 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 it yeah, I, I'm petering out. The end, end rant. I, I, I echo what you're saying. I, you know, we all have a story, right, of our familiarity with this place. All of us in, in Nashville I drove up Hillsborough Road to go to, to church growing up right past that school. The uh, founder of the school and the church went to high school with her, with his daughter. Uh, the reunification point uh, yesterday, Woodmont Baptist Church is where I grew up going to church for the first seven, eight years of my life, right? Until I was about the age of some of these children who were killed and many of whom will be traumatized for life. Um, it uh, Our community was shaken by, by this tragedy that is all too familiar across this country, but it is even more visceral when it hits places that are familiar to us and it hits people who are familiar to us. To your point about about politics or more accurately about power. People need to matter more than power. I, uh, I met Bill Haggerty actually I've met him a couple times. I gave him a tour of my production factory, my employer less than a month ago. I was walking around a factory with Bill Haggerty. I can tell you that personally, and, and by the way, I didn't vote for Bill Haggerty. I, uh, I voted and I believe donated to his opponent. Um, as a person, welcome to the about, resistance, Wes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and by the way, grew up in one of those houses that you know I was taught. People are people. The social issues, like don't don't engage in that crap. Don't go. Don't give into that hate. But you know, let's let's have a smaller government. Let's protect taxes, and we can have legitimate policy debates on that that we won't do on this show. Yeah, pro probably but, not on probably not on Club and Country podcast. But, but. but what has driven me away from even the fiscal argument is seeing the inaction of people on that side of the aisle primarily. And it, 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 it blows my mind to listen to the curiosity in personal conversation three weeks ago with this man as a representative, one of a of hundred and to hear his curiosity about our business, his intelligence with which he asked questions, to understand that exists and can exist on every issue, and yet power matters more. 
And that's where we come in. None of us here are complicit in what happened on Monday, but we all have an opportunity to give these quote unquote air quotes here that you use leaders the opportunity to follow our demands because this is bigger than politics. And I've talked to people who shared my background of, you know, red on fiscal issues, but, you know, libertarian or blue on social. And they've said, many of them in my life have said, this is not about politics. This isn't about tribalism. This is about people. Um, this directly impacted the lives of many members of uh, not just the Nashville community, but the Nashville SC community. I, I know firsthand there are listeners to this show, friends of ours who had children in that school and who have close connections to that school. Nashville, ultimately, Tim, is, as, as I think you would agree, it's a small town that masquerades as a big city. Uh, it's growing, but many of us, almost all of us probably know families or know people who know families who will never be the same, either because they lost a family member or because they're going to be coping with this trauma for the rest of their lives. And, and as a person of faith, I respect anybody Whatever faith tradition you you come to the show with or none whatsoever, respect that. As a person of faith, I believe in prayer, but all of us can and must unite around the fact that thoughts and prayers are not the end of our responsibilities. Whether you're a praying person, a thinking person, or neither, we should be thinking about actions that we can take to bring about necessary change and praying for the courage and wisdom to do what is right, and then we should act. Prayer, thoughts, those are the starting points. They are not sufficient. And we should know that by now, Tim. And the fact that we refuse to learn that lesson as a society means shame on our leaders, quote unquote, for failing to act. And I won't say shame on us, but I will say an opportunity for us to do more as individuals. We all feel powerless, Tim. I share your feeling of disillusionment and powerlessness. But there are some things we can all do as a starting point, and it's time. Uh, for me, there are three principles by which I think we can all operate, Tim. Number, number one, we can't let perfect be the enemy of good. There is no perfect policy solution that's going to stop these tomorrow. If there were, we still aren't convinced that our, our leaders would even try. Uh, there are things they can do immediately, though, and we can't let perfect be the enemy of good. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, there's no one solution, so we're just going to keep on addressing mental health or whatever. Fewer guns means fewer opportunities for these things to happen. Number two, everyone can do something. I had a, actually a more than gracious call with a staffer from uh, Representative Mark Green's office yesterday. He's where I live. The, I'm in his district. I'm under no illusions here about where he stands <laughs> on this issue. But I said, of your 750,000 constituents, multiple hundreds of thousands of them are Nashvilleians, and they're going to be calling you. And this is a chance to protect your constituents and step above politics. You're a doctor by trade. Do no harm. This is a public health issue. And number three, every interaction, even fierce disagreement, should be infused with empathy. And I say that mainly for those who are so quick to result to resort to their tribes and say, nope, sorry, nothing we can do. Empathy. Think about the kids first. Think about if it were your kids. So when I say empathy, I mean curiosity to put people over power and over dogma. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the thing that I already said. I don't I don't care where anybody stands politically. Um in the grand scheme of things, but when, when you're more concerned about, about um, kind of reverting to that tribe and, and, and rolling with that tribalism, than you are about, about people, about three people whose nine-year-olds not come home from school yesterday. Um, that's, that's an issue. And it's not one 
that that can be resolved um, by saying, "Oh well, the the letter next to my name or the the color on my on my ballot." Uh, dictates that uh, I don't care about those kids, or I care about them enough to to lie about about giving my thoughts and prayers. The end. That's it. Thoughts and prayers are not enough. Doesn't mean they're worthless. It means if we don't accompany them with action, they are indeed worthless. Uh, we will attempt to talk soccer today. Uh, no, we will to not... prove that we are not people who have thoughts. We are not thinking people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh... Um. We will uh, we will not do so with our usual level of joy, because how could we? Um, and I know you can understand that wherever you're coming from as, as a listener here, but we'll get into it uh, the, for for the, for this discussion, for the coming weeks, for the coming months, for the coming years. These families will never be far from our minds and we'll be operating moving forward in a, in a state of grief on this show and in our lives, I'm sure, for for a long time. Uh, final thing I'll say is this. This is a community, right? And this podcast is, has become a wonderful community. If you need to talk, DMs are open. Reach out to us. I would would be more than happy to listen. Wish we had more answers, Tim, but we're here. We're here to talk. Yeah, and uh, my, yeah, my DMs are open as well. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome to have a different nature of conversation, whether it's with Wes or with me, but uh, we're very willing to listen and, and willing to to uh, be, be either a sounding board or, or a conversant for anyone who needs it. Yeah. And on this, we are absolutely united about what needs to get done. Um, if you want to have a debate, maybe don't, maybe don't, but if you want support and have a conversation, we're here. Um, all right. Soccer. Th- thanks also, by the way, to, to ML Rose for, for the sponsorship. I, maybe this is the best way to move into soccer. I had a wonderful conversation with a friend about so much of this actually at ML Rose uh, yesterday on, on Monday, uh, we were meeting for a previous previously planned engagement that evening. And um, I, I'm not going to sit here and get and get promotional, but just to say that once again, you know, a, a gathering places are important to build as a community. And we, we appreciate Melrose being the gathering place for our, our community. Um, it was, it was a good forum to have good discussion yesterday um, with, with a close friend. Um, TJ Bryant um, addressing, you know, some perhaps early, um, early tendencies with this club following the one nil loss to Cincinnati. We saw the 2021 edition of NSC regularly go down early and come back to earn points. Whereas the 2022 team had a tendency to drop points from winning positions with counterattacking seeming to be the biggest goal scoring mechanism. What does Nashville have to do from a formation tactics or personnel standpoint to be better equipped to come back from losing positions like they were able to do in 2021 tim i think this is a concern is and now cincinnati has joined new england in in proving a bit that if they put men behind the ball nashville at this point at least is struggling to find the patterns of play to consistently break them down a a promising first half for nashville where they should have been up and yet when since he went ahead it was it seemed like nashville just couldn't muster the the chances i think only three shots in the second half and struggled really to generate that that attacking rhythm yeah, I think when you look at it, and um, this is actually a, a really interesting question that I, I would kind of look like to look into the data behind for obvious reasons. We did not do a ton of soccer <laughs> pre-production for the show. Sorry, uh, Trevor, for that. But um, th- there are a couple ways that Nashville has has overcome being primarily a counter-attacking team. And uh, the biggest one is set pieces. Uh, we've seen in each of the past couple games some legitimate chances from set pieces, whether that's Walker Zimmerman hitting the goalpost uh, on a headed piece or, or some of the other, um, you know, 
set piece like items, which I think a big one is it's not going to make any of the of the stat heads happy. But but crossing in from the wings is something that Nashville can do against a settled defense. Um, they're not going to be able to get Hani Mukhtar in space like they can when the opponent is a little bit more stretched out. So they do have to find ways to to make him individually more effective or or find ways to make him less of a uh, a crucial piece to the settled attack because it's hard for everybody. It's not just hard for Nashville SC. It's hard for everybody to break down a packed in defense. Um, I think the the biggest thing Nashville would like to do is not go down in the first place uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but I, I would say that uh, when you look at the the different ways you can attack, um, one that that kind of strikes me uh, that they are not doing, um, like they can continue doing the things that they are doing and do them better, of course. Is to take some more speculative shots. I think that forces the defense to come out a little bit more. You have guys who can take long shots and hit them. Um, obviously, everybody knows that Hani Mukhtar is able to do that. Um, we saw a couple opportunities against Cincinnati. Dax just missed. Um, just He scuffed a left-footed volley that would have um, been against a, a really unsettled Cincinnati team on the second phase of a set piece. A lot of it has been execution so far, and, and from that perspective... It's similar to last year where Hani Mukhtar started slow. I think he's going to find a rhythm. We've seen that this dude finds a rhythm over the course of a year. He's done it um, all three of the years that have happened so far. It's frustrating for now, for sure. And, and you know, the, the ideal method would be to, to to not have to worry about those situations to go ahead and and, and see what happens from there. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm sorry, Trevor, for not looking into the... Uh, into the full details about about your your premise here because that is pretty interesting. I I wouldn't have put as big of a of a a, a differentiator between 2021 and 2022, but but you're probably right. I I just haven't uh, done the homework yet. Yeah, I I definitely see the pattern. I think the the conceding from you know while ahead uh, started in in late 2021. I think of matches like mm-hmm. Atlanta and Orlando at home, and I think we mm-hmm. started to see a trend, especially the set piece concessions that initially seemed fluky and then just kept happening, and we wondered if. Oh, man. You know, the, enough, the good enough. old days. I forgot uh, about those. Right. And then asking Joe Willis every post game press conference, he's like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was hard because, again, the, the sample size quandary means that that it was a bunch of individual breakdowns that were different in nature a lot of times. So I think it is interesting. But I think, TJ, hopefully that that gives a good I don't have anything to add to him. I think that was really strong in terms of, you know, how how Nashville can start to break out of that that funk that and it is hard. I mean, you know, for for me at least, I think defenses are going to be ahead of attacks in in many cases early in the season as attacks are coalescing. Mm-hmm. And and let's not forget, Hani and Mukhtar did not score a goal until the San Jose away match last yeah. year. That was, I believe, match eight, right or seven, maybe seven, was the seven. the next the to six, last of that long road trip. Scoreless, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know he's the type that even, you know, he, he plays at 90%. He's really good. But once he gets that killer instinct and sees one in the back of the net, once he sees one in the back of the net, um, he is, um, he's absolutely, he's absolutely, you know, going to, going to get hot and stay hot. I would think I would hope at least uh, Jay Oz. Is there a chance that Gary Smith gives Zubak or Freeman a shot at the nine, Amish, Liotti, Sipic? Uh, no, I don't think so at this point. Uh, I think, you know, that is something that, that, is a challenge for this team is finding that number nine who can pair up with Hani. Obviously we've talked about that and and perhaps we, we would think there might be a plan to bring in somebody once Akilova is, is off the books. Um, in terms of these players, I'm interested Tim, in, in particular, in addition to whatever you want to take this answer to look at a guy like, um, like Azad Liotti, who scored a brace for Huntsville 
in their opener against Crown Legacy this past weekend. We're under no illusions. MLS Next Pro is not MLS, but this is a guy that has a tiny bit of MLS experience, some USL cachet. Are you seeing anything in his game that gives you an indication he could contribute? Or, I mean, I, I, I'm not suggesting even that he supplants CJ yeah. or Teal at this point, yeah. or he's even as a candidate. But is he somebody who's a long-term candidate this year for that, you think? So... First, I would like to to quickly touch on league rules. Uh, Ethan Zubak, uh, Tyler Freeman. Tyler Freeman is listed on the Nashville roster as unavailable, even though he is on the Nashville SC senior roster. I have to I have to ask them why that's the case. Azad Liadi is not on the Nashville SC roster. He is a Huntsville City FC player. Um, same with Adem Sipic. Um, those guys, or Adem Sipic is actually an academy guy who's playing with Huntsville City FC. But the, unless you are an MLS player, you cannot play. Um, regular minutes for the major league soccer team. Um, there's a, an extreme hardship situation where you can bring a guy up for four league games. But other than that, um, guys who are not on first team contracts can only contribute for non-league games, whether that's us open cup, a uh, league's cup is going to allow that sort of thing. So you need to figure out when you can use those guys, or you need to sign them to senior contracts before they can play more than four games for you. Azad Liadi, um, you know, I think most listeners probably at least watched the highlights of the Huntsville City FC game on Sunday. If you did not, check it out. Dude looked really good. <laughs> um, Adem Civic is obviously a guy that has trained with Nashville SC um, in preseason, a guy who is, um, you know, I, th- I believe he was on the very first academy team when they only had one age group. He's going, he's going to be the first academy player to sign with Nashville SC, mm-hmm. unless he, unless he, unless he goes somewhere else. Is is my opinion on the matter. But um, so those guys you can only use situationally or whatever. Um, that's the that's the kind of thousand foot view. In terms of of getting use out of them, um, I think Ethan Zubak is going to play at the nine some this year. Uh, but the issue is, if you're looking for guys who can improve the performance, you need guys who are better than the players who are not giving you the performance you want. I don't think any of these guys is better than CJ Sapong or Teal Bunbury. And as long as those two guys are both healthy, I think they are going to be the rotation unless and until a roster slot opens up um, from the designated player perspective, and Nashville can replace Ake Lobo with somebody who is, um, you know, not only better than Ake Lobo, but better than CJ <laughs> Yes, and please better than Ake Lobo for sure. Uh, at the very least, as a baseline, Wyatt touched on, you touched on, uh, I think, the main answer to Wyatt's question, which is the rules around pulling up. Oops, from yeah, sorry. I, uh, I, I ran those together in my mind when no, I was. No, that was great, <laughs> but I, I do want to just confirm with you because i've read the rules i believe this is the case those rules also mm-hmm. apply to open cup and leagues cup correct and yep. not just to league competition uh so guys who guys who are signed to the nashville sc organization can get pulled up and play in those matches um they are not subject to the four game okay. Uh, okay. restriction so those are that's when you see a ton of bethlehem steel um rest in peace bethlehem steel <laughs> philadelphia union two guys come up and play for the union that's when you really develop your young depth Obviously, Nashville SC has not had a uh, a reserve team in the past. They haven't had the opportunity to do this, but I do think you will see, um, especially the first game of the Open Cup. I think this year is a year where it makes sense for Nashville to not put a ton of emphasis on the Open Cup unless a uh, a, a more youngster heavy roster gets them, you know, to the to the stages of the competition where it's like, okay, we might as well take it seriously because we're here. 
I think you'll see guys like Kemi Amish, Azad Liadi, Adem Sipic probably play for the senior team in those competitions. Um, I've, I, my personal preference, I've mentioned it before for Leagues Cup is beat, beat a Mexican team, um, whatever happens against Colorado Rapids. Um, if you advance from the group, whatever, but you want to beat a team from League MX to, to make a, a sort of statement as to, as to what you are going to be in the future as to what you are now. Um, beyond that, though, I, I think given that there's a, an entire month off for that one, it's a slightly different question, but like it'll be more to rest guys who have longer term injuries than to say, OK, we need to rotate our lineup to keep guys fresh for the regular season, too. Uh, going to the midfield, Logan asks what we make of the da- uh, Davis McCarty pivot in midfield. He says, personally, I'm not sure if the partnership seems to be working well together, but perhaps any NSC midfield looks short of its best without Anibal Godoy. Of course, Anibal Godoy is the nailed-on starter at this point, Tim, in that role when he's healthy. It was great to see him back on the bench um, and, and ultimately you know, being able to be available for this club again. Uh, certainly, there was concern that was going to be a longer-term injury. Mm-hmm. So that's a relief. In the meantime, though, you know, if, if Sean and Dax need to start again, and they will, I'm sure, at some point this season, maybe as soon as this weekend, what did you see from that pivot? And does that bring enough variety do you get a six and an eight who are able to have some versatility and and range out there or do you believe dax is more more six than eight at this point it's more of a couple of sixes doing similar things yeah i think that's that's part of the issue um and actually i would say it's the crux of the issue is sean davis brings a lot we obviously stumped for him to join this team before last season because we thought he was a perfect fit and i i think that's proven to be true uh what he doesn't bring is really precise passing and so when he has played with Dax over the past few weeks, uh, Dax hasn't been sharp, whether that's just early season jitters, whether that's, um, you know, God forbid, he's he's starting to hit the downside of his career. He just hasn't been sharp. I don't think it's a lack of uh, ability or a lack of anything, you know, projectable forward, unless it is really that late career decline, which again, I doubt. Um, but But you need guys who are sharp, to be complimented by a guy who um, you need guys who, who don't have the passing talent to be complimented by somebody who's a little bit sharper than Dax has played the past couple weeks, whether that's Anibal Godoy, whether that's Jan Gregoosh, whether um, Nashville SC tries something else, whether they just say, okay, now Brian Anunga is, is our true holder, Sean Davis, you go out and try to, to be a little bit more expansive, a little bit more risk taking, um, it's not the style that you've played necessarily in your career, but if if we take the wheel, training wheels off, maybe you can do it. But yeah, I, I understand what Logan is saying, and um, you know the hope the hope has to be, um, regardless of Anibal Godoy's uh, presence, the hope has to be that it's just an early season blip for Dax. I think that discusses the guys who are starting. Um, patron pa- patron saint of coffee um, says, does Gary ever explain the rationale behind the substitutions? Teal in for Fafa rather than. Sapong, he cites in the Cincinnati game, pulling Schaffelberg and putting in Hawkinson. It seems, he says, and maybe I'm just being dense, the substitutions aren't very helpful. For me, I mean, I think you, when you're down a goal, you want an extra striker on the pitch. If Fafa's burned, mm-hmm. you know, after, you know, 70 plus minutes, then Teal coming in there makes perfect sense. And leaving in Sapong, who's doing good work away from the ball to, to win the ball, he wins the 50-50s and he's got Hani and Teal to work with uh, two, two, you know, natural scorers. Um, and then, you know, Hawkinson coming in, I think Tim is probably, you know, again, we, we know Hawkinson's going to come in with aggression, mm-hmm. but, uh, there's not an option on the bench right now. That's going to come in with precision necessarily that you would want in that situation. And Schaffelberg, the way he runs, you can, I think, understand him not going 
the full 90 in a match like that, where he was making a lot of selfless runs throughout the course of the night. Yeah, I think I think um, to get to the very first question, does Gary ever explain the rationale behind the substitutions? Yes, he does. It has to be asked, it, you know, either by me, um, Drake, Ben, somebody who's in the press conference has to ask. I, the substitutions on Saturday night seemed to be very logical to me, so he was not asked. Um, yeah. I think you nailed it right there, though, is the positions that he, he put replacements for uh, each winger, essentially two guys who ran a lot and were tired. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, you know, guys only have the energy they have. And, and sometimes, um, you know, Fafa Pico is, is he might even be older than Dax. I don't remember exactly how old he is, but he's not a guy who's going to go out and go 90 minutes at full speed every time. Um, CJ obviously has, has over the course of his career been known for his incredible fitness that continues to this day. Um, he can go 90 minutes and, and press as hard as you need him to press to get the ball back um, high up the pitch, which was one of those ways that Nashville was going to to make the comeback to go all the way back to uh, all the way back to Trevor's question. One way to do it is to get those turnovers higher up the pitch and and kind of have um, transition moment opportunities. That's something that Nashville would like to do as well, not let the defense kind of pack it in as much. But um, CJ's CJ is the fit for that more than, um, you know, leaving Fafa on the pitch and, and replacing CJ with Teal. Uh, just to, to clean up there, Pico 32, Dex 35, going to be 36, April 30th. So just a oh, comparable man, ages, though, for sure. I was way off. Uh, the, the idea, though, the premise stands, for sure. I think the, the point is good. Uh, a couple final ones here from Nashville SC Stats. We've allowed over 1.0 XG against the past two games after only 1.2 in the first three combined. Has our defense gotten worse? Or does the midfield not support them enough? Those numbers are still not not bad. This is still an elite defense. And I would argue that 1.2 over three matches is beyond elite. And it, it was not sustainable. So, I mean, one decent chance on goal is going to be 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 of an XG, yeah. which is the equivalent of what Nashville averaged per game there in those first three. So I don't think we can use those numbers, Tim, to make the argument that the defense has regressed necessarily but i want to give you the opportunity to a disagree or b you know talk through what the defensive issues were because cincinnati did have the lion's share of the chances and joe willis Mm -hmm. kept this from being a three or four goal concession performance yeah i think a big part of the defense and through the first several games was that nashville sc was not trailing and they uh when they take a lead, especially, or when they are are tied on the road, as they were uh, against the Red Bulls for the entire match, uh, they're not going to leave themselves open to giving the, the opponent a whole lot of chances. When they go down, whether that's home or away, they need to open up a little bit and, and give the opportunity uh, not only to themselves to score, but they're going to get stretched a bit, and that's going to provide some opportunities for the opposition as well. One thing that you mentioned was was huge, though, and that's um, the fact that one really good chance, and I would say um, Cincinnati essentially had one really, really good chance and, and converted on it. It's something that is is going to skew the numbers a little bit. And then, you know, f- for game state purposes, for whatever uh, other little little items that go into the game, Nashville still uh, won the XG battle pretty healthily in both games um, by 0.2 against Cincinnati um, by 0.4 against New England, both according to American soccer analysis, not the official Optus stats for those who are wondering why <laughs> I might have slightly different numbers, but um, yeah, winning the XG battle is, is, is more important than, um, than I would say keeping the, the XG, the opponent's XG low. The problem is you have to convert and that and we just haven't seen it enough. Nashville is not, has not been sharp in attack. Uh, the past two games and, you know, whatever the reasons may be, um, whatever the 
the little vagaries of, of statistical randomness when you are dealing with uh, small sample size is something that, uh, you know, it gets worked out over the course of the year, but it's absolutely frustrating at this stage. Final question from Chris Carter going, going back the um, reserve direction here. What's going on with guys like Tyler Freeman, which we touched on, and Nebu Perry mm-hmm. not appearing with NSC. So thought they might be down with Huntsville, but neither even on the bench. Uh, similar with Wyke, even though he's been up some with NSC. Or, uh, those guys or anybody else, Tim, that you want to identify as as players that you thought might be in the mix here, or at least discussed, you know, in the Huntsville perspective that that we haven't really heard from. Yeah. I mean, Wyke, Wyke has been in the, in the uh, match day lineup uh, on the bench, I think for all but one game. So a big part of it is just he can't go down with Huntsville because he's training and preparing to play for Nashville SC in case he needs to come off of the bench um, in each of the games. He's he's a guy who's who's truly with the first team. Um, uh, either I or Ben Wright asked uh, Jack Collison, the Huntsville City coach, about it Sunday afternoon. Who are some of the guys, you know, the guys who are on first team contract? He said, look, those guys train in Nashville all week and then they essentially come down and join us, um, you know, the, the day before the match to prepare to get our game plan in place. Um, and you can understand with that perspective why it doesn't make sense to send a bunch of guys down at once to to just give them some playing time. Um, you know, I mentioned Freeman unavailable despite um being on, on Nashville's first team roster. And I don't know the answer to that again. I'll, I'll have to reach out and ask them. Um, Perry is just a guy who's, who's, it, it, he's kind of in an uncanny Valley. He's too good to not be with Nashville SC, but not good enough to play for Nashville SC. Yeah. And at this stage, it's something that, um, you know, either Nashville is going to make a decision that he's just not going to see the field and probably send him down to train more frequently with Huntsville, or he's going to be a guy who, who forces his way onto the field. Congratulations to Huntsville on that penalty kick win uh, over Crown Legacy. Their debut is successful. They get two points for that. That's the rule of Next Pro. You get a, a point for a draw, and then there's a PK shootout. You get the extra point if you win that. And uh, they they looked good uh, by and large. Uh, Tim, any final thoughts before we we get out of here? No. Um, although it was it was uh, a throwback to the USL days, seeing um, like Mecklenburg Sports Park or whatever yes, it's it called. Was. The sports uh, park at Matthews yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 It's Matthew Sportsplex in, at Mecklenburg. Yeah. That's what it is. It is. Uh, shout out to, to friend of the pod, Clay Trinum, who drove there with me one day uh, there and back for, for a Nashville SC game in the USL days. Uh, shout out to VJ and David Mueller, uh, who also made that trip uh, in a separate car from us, but a few others made it uh, and, and spent the night because they are not insane people, but <laughs> shout out to them. Um, yeah. I want to, uh, I want to uh, take it back to the the less fun stuff and, and remind everyone um, just just I, well thoughts and prayers are appreciated in, in times of crisis more more than thoughts and prayers is necessary to avoid uh, future uh, moments of crisis. Mm-hmm. Just keep that in mind and and whatever uh, you feel is right to you to do with that, do it. But but don't don't just think thoughts and prayers are enough. However no. you feel about about it, they aren't. They are not enough. Um, faith without works is dead. Thinking without action. I was trying useless. to think of that quote. I, I've, I've lost <laughs> my my biblical uh, memorization. It's I, you know, and and anytime we talk about prayer and we don't follow it with action, the prayers it, it's an insult to the prayer too. Um, it, my my uh, stances that I took personally, again, yours will will vary as an audience, but but mine enhanced background checks, red flag laws, assault weapons bans. And no arming of teachers in schools. That is not the solution here. More guns is the problem. Uh, that that's what I 
got across. Again, I'm under no illusions here that my call or any one of our calls is going to change a, a representative's or, or, or senator's thinking, but volume matters. Volume is monitored and we have less power in some ways congressionally because we've been divided up into three freaking districts, but we also have the ability to make these representatives' lives real busy with our with our thoughts uh, and actions. And, and actions. Uh, we care about you guys. DMs are open. This is not political. This is about people. Uh, but it will take political means to accomplish this. And um, we support action. Have a have an okay rest of your week. Um, we're with you in this. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>